0: So I'm sitting by the pool drinking my hot cafe mocha reading the Talmud the other day. (laughs) Ooh, yeah. Ooh, la, la. And do your dirty work of going and complaining to somebody for you ain't gonna gonna happen. I'm feeling like the third bird dog. (laughs) (laughs) You you, have to be Uh excommunicated. to out of relationship. And And stuck in a basement. uh, This message stinks. There's explicit there right go. there. Welcome to the club of the initiated man.
1: You better not be recording this or I'm never walking with you again.
0: Oh, there we are. you have got a sassy brunette. You know, do something, do, do something. anything, but just don't sit there. Hey, don't you have something better to do? You've stumbled on the Invisible Humanitarian Podcast from Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada, where we discuss hiking, culture, life, theology, running, stories, West Africa, books, you name it. All right. Beaming live from the apocalypse of COVID nineteen. Right. <laughs> we have Tom Marshall online. We're on Skype today. Good to see you, Tom.
1: It's good to see you.
0: Yeah. So what have you how have you been surviving the uh the event, the quarantine?
1: Oh, it's been a piece of cake.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, really, yeah, <laughs> uh, staying home and working from home is like uh yeah, that's that doesn't suck for an introvert, man, does it? <laughs>
1: No, and, and I, I do find that a lot of people, uh, the extroverts are the ones that are having
0: the problem. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're absolutely right there, so... But anyway, no, uh, it was good. what did you think of the intro? We have some of the Les Harding's interview on there. That's the next one going to, well, uh, when we, for this airing, it's going to be before this, but, uh, that was a fun interview. I
1: think it's, it sounds great. You, you're an expert, expert at this and, and I'm definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah,
0: far from an expert anyway. So, uh, yeah, lots of churches, uh, we chatted a little bit the other day, lots of churches, uh scrambling to put online things and uh, churches that have never done it before uh, it, and not a criticism has been interesting to watch old buddies and old friends who aren't nearly as tech savvy as we are trying to figure out how to live stream Facebook and I uh, you know I have seen a few minister friends their wives are uh, recording and and uh, live streaming things for their husbands. And they just say, I haven't got a clue how to do this. <laughs> and the yeah. church, church wants them to put it online. And uh, so hats off to them to trying to figure this all out as they scramble to figure out how to react and what to do. Eh?
1: It is. And, and what was kind of fun for me was just the experience of being able to visit church, 10 churches. Cause you know, I was there and I thought, well, I'm going to see what, uh, some of the people that I know, what they're doing. And the next thing you know, people are like, hey, what about this service? Or hey, what about that service? So, you know, I was trying to be fair to everyone. So I, <laughs> I tried to go to everyone that I could. And I spent the whole day watching services. And it was interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was, I, I probably only listened to, I think four or five or six. Uh, well, I, I suppose if you put the ones I listened to for five minutes, it's probably eight or nine. I kind of scanned, scanned last Sunday too. So a uh, little, little interesting tidbit about that, just so you know, because uh, you know my, my feeling about the big scramble to, um to, to get everybody online, which is, which I, you know, I'm not opposed to the technology. You know, I use technology to the outer limit of a lot of people, you know, I'm on it all the time and I appreciate it and all the power of it, but a little interesting tidbit I was reading just, or just, I think it was yesterday the day before, Uh, of course, you know how in London, uh, Britain, uh church attendance is just tanked in Europe, everywhere, Britain particularly. Has it? Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's I mean, the, the percentage of the population uh, showing up for a religious service at a building on Sunday morning is just just negligible. But the interesting thing is, is uh, they actually saw a tenfold increase in the number of people tuning into the online services from all these little churches doing FaceTime posts and everything else, ten times more people listening into those audio broadcasts than they would normally have in physical presence in, in attendance on a Sunday morning.
1: I believe I heard from a friend that even, even here in North America, there was a a large number of people that, that responded and went. Now they may have tuned in just for a few seconds, Mm -hmm. but they did tune in. And so there are people that are interested Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on some of the programs I saw on television, I mean, if that's what they're offering, what that's on television, I mean, you got these creepy old guys, sorry, but that's what they look like,
0: <laughs> like with you and me dyed
1: hair, uh-huh. and they got these radical messages that are kind of, okay, that sounds like the 1950s. You know, <laughs> I, I remember seeing one young guy, yeah, and the rest of the guys were old and you know and yeah. some are good like Charles Stanley's good but you know the guy is just he's older now yeah and and he's like on the good end yeah but then there's some other ones out there that just like scary and so tuning in and and seeing what other people are doing what i found though is the message you know there's all this message about you know god's bigger than everyone uh hope and stuff like that and and jokes about toilet paper <laughs> and
0: yeah as if we didn't get enough of those already in, on social media yeah
1: well being being you know uh a guy from from a class and you know learning homiletics uh Chuck Sackett, I'm like, well, just deal with the text, yeah, and whatever comes up comes up, and so it was interesting to see how many people were were changing things rather than just you're kind of going through the text, and this is the text. There were a couple of churches that I listened to. Where, you know, you could tell that was probably the text for the day.
0: Yeah, and they just, business as usual.
1: Yeah, business as usual. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Not trying to, yeah, change the message or, you know, oh, we're on. Well, that that was one thing I noticed, and, and that's not a criticism. Uh, but uh, the, the 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 guy who taught you homiletics, you, I, I tuned into that guy. What was his name again? Sackett? Chuck Sackett. Yeah, Chuck Sackett, phenomenal, dealt with the text. He taught, he, he actually, it was just like a conversation with people. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I had commented to you that like, uh, there was a lot of people that I tuned into, they had that stagey voice, preaching voice, yeah. like they were, it's, you knew they were preaching to a camera and an offline audience and, and they have this stage voice and then there's nothing wrong with that. I, I you know, I know was, yeah. part of that is projection. But it's not just pr- pr- projection. And I know for people like me, I, I just don't like that stage voice because it comes aclo- across as slick instead of genuine to me. And uh, right. and so, you know, it's just like t- uh, turn off the stage voice. Pretend you're, you know, pretend you're talking to your grandfather, you know, yeah. w- when you're videoing well, this. Well, one of
1: the best ones uh, for the stage voice. <laughs> the thing, though, is if you know him.
0: Yeah. You know you, you- you know he's you a great guy. You know that
1: that's just how he talks,
0: right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I won't.
1: I won't share his name. I think no, we, we'll, no. we'll see if we could get him to come on the show.
0: Yeah, and we'll challenge and so him
1: whatever, on it. <laughs> what's that? We'll
0: challenge him to change his voice. <laughs> no, no. no I, I I
1: think what's funny is uh, he just has it all the time because as I'm watching his service,
0: yeah.
1: um, it's almost like. He has to do this. He's done a good job of getting everything set up, but it's almost like he's thinking while talking, looking at the camera. Right. I can't believe I'm, you know, talking to people on the camera and they actually are going to listen to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You. You, you know. You know why I think a lot of people tuned in. I uh, like I say I haven't read anything from the North Amer- American perspective, but I think I I, I got to thinking about it, like why. If there is that much interest in church, like why, wh- what's the disconnect here to, to Sunday attendance? And, uh, but you know what I think it is, 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 uh, is I posted an article the other day and it's from an old book, a Leonard Sweet called Viral. It was 10 years ago. I couldn't even get anybody to have a conversation about this book. And he's talking about the contrast between the Gutenberg generation and the Googlers and how, how right. they just don't understand each other. And, and yep. the, the Gutenbergs think that digital stuff isn't real connection. Now, like you. You and me video seeing each other talking here as if that isn't real connection, right? But I think what it what 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 it is is uh, in my opinion uh, or thinking about it is is the reason why they had a tenfold attendance. I'm not saying that people aren't interested in the message. What I'm saying is is there's probably people on your block. You know, there's probably a church like every five blocks, maybe in London, I don't know. But you know, there's probably people on your block that have walked by your church all their life, have never had a desire to go inside. But you never, yep. you never faced or Facetimed or um, or Facebook Live did a live feed before, and all of a sudden, every little tiny church of every kind is trying to do this, and so here there are people in our on our block or the five blocks around our building that have never been there and uh, are curious but not curious enough to go and show up because they're just like no no thank you but well, curious who wants enough to, to look walk in?
1: into a church building and then everyone's staring at them and mm-hmm. then they're forced to sit <laughs> yeah. two pews or two two rows in front of the preacher yeah i'm like that's that's what happens in most churches mm-hmm. as well as all of a sudden you're the subject of the sermon <laughs> and it's one of those we need to save this person that just walked in off the street <laughs> yeah like, yeah you know, I'm yeah. used to that. I I go places to visit just because I know that's what's probably going to happen. And I tell you, yeah, any anyone who's you know, like I have a background in ministry and all that.
0: Me too. Yeah.
1: I do that for fun because mm-hmm. I know what's coming. You yeah. know, you're looked at as fresh meat and yeah. and people are seeing, "Oh, wow, there's yeah. three kids there. Yeah. Our, our Sunday school just increased 500%." <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, well, I, you know, the the thing is as you can tell uh, there's there's friendly and then there's there's this uh, inadvertently way over the social norm friendly because and that says to you, "Okay, they've not had a young person or a young couple or a young yeah. man in here for 3 years and so anybody that comes in just gets this, well, not glommed on in a bad way, but you know, just way too much attention for normal social cues yeah. of this day. And, but, uh, but
1: it's, no, it's kind of an either or. Either, like you're saying, they glom yeah. on to you yeah. and, and they're making plans, like finally we have a young couple that's <laughs> in here with kids. Yeah. Or, they just totally ignore you.
0: Yeah, that, that happens too. Well, you know, I I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I'm a, I I really don't want to sound like we're making fun. I know you're not either, like making fun of a church because people come in. You you you've got to you've got to connect with them, and just because you chose to, to connect in a certain way, you know, doesn't mean that twelve others aren't going to try, and then it becomes overwhelming. Well, that's not your fault. You know what I mean? So so oh, I think
1: it's a great opportunity we have today to yeah. be able to connect with people mm-hmm. to make it. Available so they can actually see what is going on, exactly, and that it's not spooky and scary looking yep. or cheesy. Yeah,
0: yeah. And
1: and I think just talking about the gospel and having a conversation.
0: Yeah, no that that's that's where I I came from. Uh, uh on this uh, London statistic, if it's true, I don't know. Uh, is is now people can see inside the building, see what you're saying, see what it looks like, see who the preacher is, see how they act on stage, see a little bit of the inside the building that they've never had the courage to or, or desire to step into before. And so I think it's going to be good in the sense it takes away a lot of the mystery or mysticism or, you know, not mysticism, you know, um, and uh, it might bring yep. down inhibitions, but... But then again, you know uh, is 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 we go and plug into that, even if that takes down a little bit of inhibitions. You know, and then they get there on Sunday, they realize that the analog and the digital might not not necessarily line up, right? And uh, so I'm not saying that that anybody that does show up is going to be disappointed, but I th- it's good. It's all exposure for the for the gospel uh, on the internet through you know to to our congregation. All of this is wonderful stuff, so I'm not disparaging yeah. it
1: so what I'm... what I noticed and and there is one that was down to earth. I think it was one that was in in Missouri that i I listened to. And you could tell the preacher was a farmer, because mm. he, he specifically mentioned, well, you know, it'd be nice if the corn prices were to go up. They went down instead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Food demand. No. Exactly. Well, you know. But I was
1: surprised by two large churches.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: had the same message, but I, I it sounded like the same message, but I only caught the, the end of one message. Right. And the very end of that message was almost exactly what. Uh, so one was in, in Illinois and the other one was in, in California. Right. And I'm just thinking, so they're just say, sharing the same sermon. Wow. And, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I haven't gone back and, and hmm. listened, Yeah. but the ending sounded like dead on. Cause I had watched the one in California first huh. and then I was listening to the one in Illinois and I'm like, Hey, I just heard that ending.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's interesting, yeah, well, well, you know my feeling on it. I've been writing articles just uh, that you know they, they they it annoys institutional people, but that's not the reason why I wrote them um you know. Uh, Is, is, you know, I've been talking about, you know, how in our fellowship, we never, our our movement, the restoration movement, never felt that the ordinances were meant to be in the hands of professionals, that uh, the ordinances of the Lord's Supper, communion and baptism were meant to be released into the priesthood of all believers, which means that, that any number of gathered Christians, which is two or more, can share in the Lord's Supper to remember the emblems and recognize the body of Christ and the body and blood of Christ on the cross. But, uh, not, not only that, um, you know, so we can gather anywhere, we can gather in any numbers, we can, we can do this. And, uh, and, you know, and, and, and the, you know, the church is just, just seems to be having a hard time with this. And so here we've been released and and I'm looking at this and saying, how many years have we been preaching that, you know, we got to see the world outside our four walls. We got to get into the community. We got to build relationships and here we are so busy and wrapped up in our programs in the church, we have no time for it. You and I were both in that boat and had to make specific decisions after 20 years to break that trend. And so here we are released from all of the program activity, released from all of these things. And anybody can practice Acts 2.42, you know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, to fellowship and prayer. And we go, in our in our movement, we can do that anywhere. And, uh, yeah. and, and we're out there and we're free, we have time, we're with our family and instead of, you know, instead of us showing a little maturity and, and our preacher saying, you know, we're, we are going to offer an online service, but you know what, we, we welcome you to, to tune in, but, but take leadership in your home. You and mom and dads take leadership for the people in your home. And when this is over, uh, why, why don't you just use this as a testing ground? Uh, Do Acts 242 in your home. And then whenever, whenever this virus quarantines over and we're allowed to have people and socialize a little more again, invite two or three more in. Let's see how that works for a change. But instead of uh, communicating that message, every sermon... Every website, now I understand they were trying to scam or scramble over a week or two to figure out a reaction. (laughs) Be careful the words you choose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, scramble (laughs) was the word, uh, but they were, they were scrambling and, uh, you know, as a response. So maybe something a little more of substance will come out. But, but I'm saying like, what did we ask our people to do now, now that we're freed from the heavy burden of church, we asked them to tune back in and sit like a lump on the log with our smartphones in front of our face and our children's faces to tune in. It's like, are you serious? Like, is that the level of maturity we have in church that, that if we can't go back for four months, that, that our only lifeline is that? Now I'm not criticizing, you know, use the media. It's good. But, but you know, we're outside the building. There's gotta, there's gotta be. I think we're going to look back at this time. We're going to look at this age because it's a historical moment and nobody's even mentioned it yet. The church universal in North America, probably globally, uh, in all of Europe is not meeting. They are outside their buildings right now for the first time. And
1: no one's asking the question, except for once later on, I heard it, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't on Sunday. Yeah. So why has God allowed us to be kicked out of church?
0: Bingo, man, that's the question. He didn't send the virus to make us go out. Uh, It's from hell. Uh, This is just a fallen, broken world. Uh, Nature's not been redeemed. That's where COVID come from. But God can use uh, natural disasters that he didn't send, Uh, difficult times, wars, takeovers, all of these things through history, God has always used them. Uh, uh, to further the kingdom of God. Somehow he's taken bad situations and he still was able to do something good with the church. And you got the question, what is the message to the church right now? You know, and, uh, and there was one article I, I shared it yesterday, you know, he was talking about we should be weeping. These people who are celebrating that, that church is canceled. We should be weeping. We're, we're in exile and we should be weeping with desire to gather with the church. And it's just like, uh. Oh my gosh. Do you not realize that I'm sitting at the house with four adults, uh, two, two, uh, uh, young adult sons here, um, who are living at home right now. And, uh, and that we're, 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 we're church here. Do you realize, and you know, and, and, and my mom and dad last Sunday, I, I was over they they're across the road. So we're all in quarantine. We're just, you know, so going to see them and I stay six feet away. But, uh, but you know, I said to mom and dad, I said, what did you do last Sunday? And they said, oh, we, we read some scripture and we had the prayer and. We shared the Lord's supper together, just the two of us. And, and then we turned on some gospel music on Siri, you know, the satellite radio. Right. And, and, uh, so that's all we did. And I'm just sitting there in all we did is that that's all we did. You know what you did? You did exactly what we're supposed to do as the people of God. And, yep. and, and any minister anybody that's going to disparage people in twos and threes and fours sitting there doing that in their home, as far as I'm concerned, does not understand the global mission movement. It doesn't understand the purpose of the kingdom of God. And you know what? If, if, if we had our church, if we have 50 people Sitting, sitting in our church on Sunday morning, we preached to every week, and 10 families didn't come back afterwards. Well, you know what? We might say, oh my gosh, it's destroyed the faith of our people. But what if those 10, 10 families or were, um, were, were meeting with two or three others and pulling, you know, and after the or after the cornea, they've learned and used it as a testing time to practice Acts two forty two in their homes. They're leading in communion. They're leading their families in prayers. The people in their household in prayers as a testing and a preparation time. And then after this is over, they just invite a few others into that. Is that a well, failure?
1: I think, I think one of the challenges again is they're not asking the question first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You know well, what what's going on here, yep. and what opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, this fits in with the scrambling. You know, listening to the people talking. You know, they're like, okay, people need hope. Mm-hmm. People need to know it's going to be okay. They're not they're not stepping back. They're still kind of in the shock phase. At least that's what it sounds like. And they're trying to figure out how can we continue to have people come. To a specific location, yeah. Uh, to give to a specific location because, you know, the the nuts and bolts of stuff too is if you do have ministries and you you are paying salaries and stuff, that has to be done.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, oh, I feel you know, I feel for them.
1: Five steps, you know, Removed. ahead of what yeah. they're thinking. Yeah. And one of the big challenges, you know, in an institutional kind of setting is, well, how are we going to make you know the the payment mm-hmm. you know to the to the bank yeah. to make sure that <clears throat> if there's a mortgage on the building that's paid mm-hmm. uh there's the minister's salary there's maybe someone else's salary Heating on the side bills
0: and yeah
1: yeah i think those things <clears throat> are first and foremost what's going through everyone's mind and the idea of wait this is a great opportunity where god mm-hmm. has led us but yeah. i want to jump back because if you look at the history of Israel, mm-hmm. there is that issue, Isaiah 1, it's in Jeremiah. Yeah, There comes a point where Israel, as a people, as a nation, were not following God's laws. And yeah. God in Deuteronomy 28, you know, the blessings and the curses. If if you obey me, if you mm-hmm. follow me, you know, I'm going to bless you. Uh, great things are going to take place. Yeah, But if you don't, I'll take stuff away from you. And one of the things he'll take away is the ability for people to worship. Mm-hmm. And looking at the Old Testament and seeing like Isaiah 1 where he Isaiah is saying that God is tired of people trampling his courts, you know, he he wants to stop worship, and he does stop worship by sending people into exile.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And the temple is then destroyed later on, and the people mm-hmm. in exile are wondering, how can I worship? Now, their answer to that was the synagogue.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: And they were able then to read from the Torah in the synagogue, yeah. which by the time in Jesus' day you did have the synagogue as an alternative to going to the temple. They mm-hmm. still went to the temple, yeah. but yet Saturday after Saturday on the day of the Sabbath, you know, they were in the synagogue mm-hmm. and they were reading except for the major feasts where they did go to the temple in Jerusalem. Unless yeah. they lived in Jerusalem, then, you know, it was just natural yeah. for them to go every day. Yeah, exactly. And using that Old Testament and understanding that history of Israel— God takes away the ability to worship sometimes when people are just more interested in themselves rather than God. Mm -hmm. And so for myself, you know, all of a sudden we're not able to meet on a Sunday. The obvious question for me
0: is what is God's message in that? Yeah, what's
1: God's message here? He has actually taken away an opportunity for us to worship just in a regular way. Yeah. And so that whole concept of, do we just go about it, but in a different form? Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be more questions about, well, where are we spiritually Mm -hmm. as a country? And I'm talking North America. So, you know, that's the U.S., that's Canada. And then you're talking about Europe, any country. And I still remember from the 1980s, Juan Ortiz's book called Disciple, where one Sunday they realized that they were getting complacent. And he said, next Sunday, I don't want you to come to church. We're going to pretend that there's a persecution. You have to figure out how you're going to do church next Sunday because the doors will be closed here.
0: Yeah, figure it out.
1: Exactly, which is what you are talking about, where Mm -hmm. people are gathered together, like that Acts model. Yeah. And it would be interesting if elders— and the ministers were to get together and start asking their question, do we li- literally just take everything that we're doing now and just do it online Yeah. or yeah. should we reevaluate everything right? and how we just do everything? And that's a question that I don't think anyone really is, is asking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that may come. I mean, I understand everybody was scrambling, uh, you know, so I do get that. And, and, and I know I may have, Tom, I'm, I come from, I come from missionaries, uh, stock. That's what I've done a yeah. lot of my life. Okay. I've seen simple movements. I've seen small gatherings of twos, threes, and a dozen. I, I've seen how, um, you know, one of the people groups we were working with in a country, the, 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 the uh, military, a predominantly Muslim country, the military, the military ordered them to stop having gatherings.
1: Right. And,
0: um. You know, and they said uh, you need to stay away from there. So I, I couldn't go there. My last uh, last year was in the country, and uh, you know what the people's answer were, was? They said, "Don't worry about it. This this movement started in our homes, and that's what brought us all finally together. Exactly. When we realized we we are we're all becoming uh Jesus people." We finally had these big gatherings in these villages of 2,700, 2,800 Muslims. All of a sudden, 2,200 of them are praying in Jesus' name every morning and evening together. And, uh, and they said, but that, that was only the manifestation of what had already happened in our homes. And so, you know what, it started in our homes, we're back in our homes right now, and uh, nobody can stop us uh, talking about Jesus in our homes. And, and, and nobody is stopping us from having visitors and people over in our own courtyards. We can visit with whoever we want. And so we can still have another family or two over and we can pray together, have a meal together, have communion together or whatever. So they said, just, just go and just go, don't worry about it. We made our choice, will be, will be here when this settles down. And when this blows over, um, we, we will, uh, we will, you know, make the decisions. And I'm sitting there like, see, see, that's just so foreign to the West, right? Is, uh. It is very foreign. You to know, the, the, West. I, the idea that, that we can do this in our homes and survive. Well, and that mechanism you were talking about, Israel was to be a missionary nation, right? And so yes. here's the thing, if they're, if there to be a light, you know, a, a missionary na- nation to show the kind of relationship that God wants to have with people to the other nations. Well, here's the problem. If the Israelites uh, see themselves as a preferred people instead of chosen for a specific min- or mission, which is what they were. But see, we interpret that as m- that means that God preferred them over anybody else. The, the, to me, the calling and the choosing uh, means that they, they were chosen out from among the nations, not because they were superior, um, but it was because uh, he chose them out. Um, um, to, to be the example. So they, they are a blessed people for that reason that God chose to work through them this way and not somebody else, because he could have chose any other nation to raise up. And, uh, but what they, what the, the answer to this mission call of showing the kind of relationship that God wants to have with nations and humanity, if they failed to reach the Canaanites and the Hittites. And the others with with the gospel message because they said, "Oh no, the message is only for us. They're not part of our people. God doesn't want them. We're the chosen people. There's nobody else but us." What happens? They get tormented. They get uh, wars. They get little right. little factions and, and 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 a village attacking another village. That's what goes on. It's always been God's mechanism. If you want to bring a peace to a region and a nation, is 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 that God's people should share the gospel with those around them, and then there, we're no longer enemies were brothers and sisters in Christ, and exactly. we see that in the history of our, you know, us, us, our Germanic and Saxon and and early history, even even there, like like uh, the the Norsemen and those things. How did how did the Germanic tribes and the Norsemen and stuff end up uh, being Christian? They attacked Christian areas, took the women back for their own brides, and we know exactly. we know that through the wives of the women they took in war, they were uh, uh, those women were telling the gospel to the Norsemen, and all of the children that uh, that the Norsemen. Had by these Christian women. Their kids were raised in the Christian faith and that's how the evangelization of 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 those those Germanic tribes and Norsemen and the and those early 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 uh, uh European movements happen. And uh and so I'm sitting here looking at this and saying, "Okay, so God kicked us out. What's the reason?" We've been preaching for years. You know, we need to get outside the building and serve. We need to see the fields yeah. that are white right on to harvest, you know, uh, and we need to build relationships with people. But we're at church uh, five right. days a week for meetings and to, to run the programs, plus the days of preparation to do what we're running at church. And, we, and we're and we not in the community. And now that's all stripped away. And for the first time we can say, oh my gosh, um, now it's, I can just meditate on Christ uh, gather simply in my home and now in preparation time right now, I'm going to leave my family, learn how to do this for my family and my, you know, the wife and the mom and the, you know, the dad and, uh, and you know what, I got a few friends that I want to share this with after this is over. I'm going to prepare. This is a preparation time. This is, this is a time for mission. This is a time to get ready for something different. Because to me, I think the ultimate failure would be is that, that we just all went back to church as church is normal and communicated that, that you can't go out on mission because without being here, you cannot survive. You cannot function. You will spiritually, spiritually just wane, you know, and there is no life other than being plugged into this. There is no yeah. spiritual growth outside of being plugged into this because this is the way, this is how you grow. Without this, you wither up and you die. And, uh, and here I am eight years outside of the, uh, the box, the traditional box church. Do, does it look like I'm withering away? You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to draw attention right. to myself, but I know a thousand other people. Well, I don't know a thousand, but I know there are many, many, many other people, um, that are out on mission and, uh, and, 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 you know, I've had people ask me, say, well, Andy, well, the question is, is, are you more fruitful out there than you were when you were in the ministry in the church? And you know what the answer is? My answer to them was, I'm not saying I'm more fruitful. What I do know is, is I'm having more relationships with, with a greater variety of unbelievers and I'm having more conversations than I ever, ever, ever had as a pulpit minister in the church. And well, uh,
1: I'm having more conversations because yeah. I'm not just talking to the same old group. Yeah, uh, who've and heard it real all conversations before. Conversations that, yeah. that are taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the big difference. Yeah, I mean, um, usually when you're in a, a smaller congregation and larger congregations you don't see it as much cuz there's just large numbers but the same thing's going on mm-hmm. you're really just taking care of the people that are there and yeah. you're spending your whole time doing that yeah and you're really not reaching out that's talked about yeah. and that's kind of the oh yeah of course we do that wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> but it's yeah. just not it's not happening yeah. and it you know it's kind of like when when you're tasked to do a job you know ways to kind of ease the the pain of actually doing what you're supposed to. And the best way of doing that is, well, let's have a meeting. Yeah. Because yeah. meetings take up wonderful amounts of time. <laughs> so you don't have yeah. to have someone uh, come into your house and have dinner with them. Oh, well, you know, Thursday nights I'm busy. And then Saturday I'm also busy. And then Sundays I'm busy.
0: Yeah. You know, I
1: don't, I don't have time to have people in my home. And that's no. really what it is. It's
0: yeah, just hospitality. Inviting
1: someone in your yeah. home. Mm-hmm. You're making them a part of your life. Mm-hmm. And when you are scheduling meetings and you got programs that you have to do, it is a great way to feel like you're doing something. And again, I'm not saying that they're not doing anything, but they are not talking to non believers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're yeah. talking to believers. Yeah. And I also think there are seasons of that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are times when you have to learn techniques. Uh, very much like a young person coming into a congregation and learning how to be a you know a, a preacher yeah or learning how to interact with people and stuff you you have those seasons of life when you are doing stuff but ultimately hmm. we are to be reaching lost people yeah,
0: yeah. and and we can busy freed.
1: ourselves with stuff so yeah. we We're... don't do that yeah and it's just that's one of the challenges that we that, you know, that we face in life.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think we're going to have a lot of people, you know, we, we're freed from, from all running all of these programs right now where most people, some people are still dragging their staff and their music crew in to keep running things. So I'm not so sure how the most active people in our churches are being freed from anything right now. Uh, that Well, the active ones are mm, still going to be busy. Yeah, And
1: then the real question is, are churches even going to survive? Will people mm, even go back to church? Yeah. You know, once this is done, because they've not, you know, been at church mm. for quite some
0: time. H- habits form. And there yep. is
1: an expectation for a lot of churches eventually just to close because, mm. you know. Well,
0: I don't wish that on anybody. I mean, that's not even, that's not even, like I I, I feel, I feel for the church that's struggling to do that. But, uh, but, you know, here's the thing. If, if we're, if, if I understand there's, you, you said there's people at different levels and I think that structure is good for people who are babes in Christ, but yeah. see what I feel is, is after 15, 20, 30 years, uh, if, if, if you need that to prop us up to me, to me, there's, you know, you're the missionary now, you're the minister, you're the, you're the priesthood of all believers. You're, you're well, not the babe the who needs to go get that. You're the one that goes yeah. and leads this stuff, whether you realize it or not. That's where you're at in life.
1: Yeah. You know, well, I mean, going through Bobby Harrington's stuff or Jim Putnam's stuff or Bill Hull's stuff, like Bill Hull, like what gospel have you preached? Yeah. You know, and if you have a consumer gospel, yeah, well, they're gonna continue to consume. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. We have to change the gospel that we're preaching to people because sometimes we're preaching the wrong gospel. Yeah, man. Yeah. And and so you can easily create a church of consumers because you got the big stage show. You got the fantastic messages that can easily become the consumer church. Yeah. And you always have to work like a dog in order to carry that off. Yeah. And and if you're going to change that focus to be outward Mm -hmm. focus to try to reach people – you know, you really have to get serious and change how you, how you do things. Well, and that's a bit, that's a big challenge.
0: Well, see, to me, Tom, is, is we can talk about the outer focus all we want be, uh, because the outer focus only happens and, and it becomes a natural a, a part of our, our obedience to Christ and our love for Christ when the inward work is done properly, when the depth of the in, inward work is there. And I think that's what we forget sometimes is like, like, you know, some people say, oh, well, we should be weeping we're in exile, we're not, we're not able to gather in our church. And I'm just sitting like, when I see what my mom and dad did did last Sunday, having communion and and reading scripture and praying and listening to gospel music in their home, I don't see that as a threat. I don't see that as a failure. The the friend, the friend that Skyped a few others and they did communion and prayer and read a few scriptures together over Skype you know i'm not threatened by that i don't see that as a failure you know what i see that as As a as a as a as a a former church preacher who's worked overseas in in, in uh, planning churches and and uh, helping people uh, and you know new ethnic groups uh or, you know breaking some ground towards the gospel what i see that as is i see, i hear stories like what my mom and dad did and what that person did on Skype as absolute mm-hmm. victory stories That's how I feel it. Because you know what? My goal is ministry. What we talk about how, uh, you know, ministry is, 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 is not doing it for everybody. It's training people up. And what all what is right. our our whole ministry about if it's not training people up to the place where they can take charge of their spirituality and not act like babies who have to be spoon-fed that is a victory story mom and dad what they did is a victory story the 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 100,000 or 400,000 families that did, the, did that this week that is that's why we work that's why we preach in churches that's why we serve in churches is we want to get people to the place where they're not just consumers and coming here and sitting like a bump on the log but that they will do that for themselves. That they know how well, to do that for themselves. That's
1: the challenge because it begins with leadership. And yeah. and if you have a leadership, you know, they always talk about elders. And I guess maybe some other time we can just talk about leadership and elders. But like now that I've gone through and looked at at the gospels and stuff and then I'm reading material, like one of the things that's not mentioned in Titus and Timothy for for elder qualifications and I don't know, I guess maybe it wasn't mentioned because it's just assumed. Mm-hmm. Are you making disciples? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if your leadership is, you know, I think uh, if you're going to have someone who's an elder, the first question is, who are you discipling? Yeah. And if that individual can't answer that question, then they shouldn't be considered for elder Yeah. because the leadership needs to model that. And yeah. once the leadership starts modeling that, now that's, I think, one of the problems if you're going to the exile and you're looking at Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. One of the things about Ezekiel is a lot of the leaders or the elders of the people, mm-hmm. they were in trauma. They were in shock. You know, Ezekiel 24, yeah. you know, Ezekiel cannot mourn for the death of his wife because that mourning is going to reflect how the people are going to respond yeah. when the temple is destroyed. Yeah. And in their minds, they're thinking they cannot worship God officially Because they got a wrong concept. Mm. They believed that God could only be worshipped in Jerusalem in the temple. In the
0: temple. Yeah. Yeah. Where where is the sacred grave? David
1: wanting to build the temple. Nathan, who receives God's response to tell David, is like, I I used to live not in a temple. Mm -hmm. I was with you in the wilderness. I was with you, you know, wherever you went, because I don't have a specific home everywhere i go is where i go and when you're reading ezekiel you'll find that god is actually in babylon
0: <laughs> he showed up there yeah
1: exactly and yeah. i think that's something that people in some ways it almost sounds like they're in that shock stage mm-hmm. like the elders of israel when they were sent to babylon and they couldn't worship anymore
0: yeah.
1: at the temple yeah and and i think they it's going to take time for them to realize god is bigger than just that Mm -hmm. location yeah and we say the church is the people not the building but we don't live like it's
0: people and not the building yeah because if people start not coming to the building what we see is the articles that are starting to come out now like it's like oh we should be weeping that we can't can't gather and it's just like
1: yeah that sounds like someone who's in Wow, Captain?
0: yeah, no, now I know there's theological things behind that too, because see, see, uh, when you got a sacramental church that believes that only only authorized clergy or authorized people by the church can can administer the ordinances of 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 this or sacrament, not ordinance in a sacramental theology, uh, you know, it has to be done. Uh, under the auspices, the baptism and the communion has to be done under the yeah. auspices and authority of the church by, by, by officially recognized and authorized candidates, usually clergymen, although they can ordain other laymen to do that as well, but they have to be specifically ordained and given permission. Because those are the means of grace. And so so I understand when they're saying that you can't come to the building and uh you know, you can be at home having communion. If somebody makes a profession of Christ this week, you can baptize them. That is I understand for, for sacramentalists, uh that is a big stretch, you know. The, uh, it
1: is. But, but the uh, gospel you win them to is the gospel yeah. that they'll they'll be there. Yeah. And the gospel that is, you know, like we are a priesthood of all believers, mm. and you know we're to equip people for works of service. you know the church rises up wherever it can. Mm-hmm. This is the part that I yeah. think made the church very doable in the first century, yeah. is it wasn't bound by all these
0: light structures mobile, flexible, easy yeah. to move.
1: It was a living organism yeah. and it and it cut across all boundaries and I mean, come on. It took on the Roman Empire, which and defeated won. country after country. <laughs> yeah. And transformed it from the inside out. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah. And and again, I'm also thinking back to your parents. You know, would they have done what they did if you had not done it and they kind of question you doing what you're doing, but yet they saw that you did this and it did
0: not change you? Yeah, we're doing every Sunday what we always do. Yeah. And, and so, have been for eight years. <laughs> yeah. And so they kind of,
1: you know, I mean, when you can't do what you're normally yeah. doing, but you know, this person over there has kind of been doing it, mm-hmm. you realize, wait a second, you know, maybe they're to something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Instead of sitting and, home and avoiding the ordinance, like that was, that was the first thing that kind of rung a bell for me. You know, people were saying, you know, tune in, we'll have a sermon or whatever else. And it was like, okay, so, so we're going to drop. Drop the ordinances. the the very thing that 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 Christ instituted for us to do to to remember His body and the body of Christ, and and baptism the pl- the meeting place where we meet God and God closes in Christ. Yeah. So we're going to forego some those. Of
1: the, some of the uh, churches that I visited. They actually gave recipes for making communion bread.
0: Mm, yeah, th- that that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You and so I they, usually I mean, use they Premium were like, Plus. Hey,
1: this is how you make communion bread. This is a good <laughs> recipe. Try yeah. it out. Yeah. And send me send me feedback.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see that that's what I'm excited about. In the first article I wrote was it's just, you know, encourage your people to practice Acts 242 for their own household and uh, and then when you finally can worship again, call every head or, or a mom or a dad or a, a grandfather or an extended family living in one building, call the head or somebody who's responsible or kind of a, a mature person in every household. And you know what our sermons should be for the next week or two or three before we get back to our preaching series is to have everyone tell us what you did. Tell us what you did to feed yeah. yourselves in Christ without tuning into this, this, this thing. Tell us the story. What did your kids ask? What did your wife say? What were you thrilled about? And have the wife say, you know, my husband said he's been in church for 20 years and we were doing this at home. And he said, I, he never heard that before until we were doing this thing. You I know? think
1: if you're going to tell some decent stories, uh, about scripture mm. is the story of Abraham, wherever mm. he went, he'd build an altar, and he had worshipped the Lord.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like
1: that he wasn't bound yeah. by no. the structures of a temple. Yeah, he worshipped where he went, and God specifically took him to the land. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing too. Is you know, okay, we're gonna we're gonna meet outside the confines of our scheduled building. Mm-hmm. What's God gonna show us?
0: Yeah. What's
1: yeah. the scripture gonna you know? Yeah. Let's pick a scripture. Let's go. Th- you know through yeah. something let's read the book of, of John or the, mm-hmm. or read Ephesians or Romans or or even an Old Testament book and let's say what's God doing yeah what did we learn about God yeah. What do we learn about the people in that?
0: You yeah. know. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is that whole discovery Bible study. Yeah. Invite you know, people and into just that. Just ask
0: these simple questions. Yeah. Open that up to people who want to come to it. And if it's two or three, that is not a fail. Like that's what I can't get over. Is we think if it isn't a dozen or fifteen or eighteen or five hundred that it's it's a fail. Can you imagine right now, Tom, if we had three million Canadian Christians? Who were sitting at home practicing Acts two forty eight and leading their families with 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 the vision of going? You know what? We can do this. Like we're, we can do this in our home. And it's like yeah. you know what? I want to v- invite Joe, Mary, and their three kids from work over to this after this is over. Can you imagine if we had three million Christians do that? Uh, if we had a million yeah. Christians doing that? Well, like like how would things change in Canada? this week, because Joe and his kids probably aren't ever going to show up at a church, but they might come to my house and ask their questions. And and my experience is is they will, I've had more people ask me questions outside of pulpit ministry and I had more discussions about this than I ever had when I was inside the church with, with the new, the visitors and the newcomers that show up. And, uh. Anyway, it's...
1: again, I think it goes back to when I went to the flea market. It's it's your church. It's your church sign. Mm. It's your power. It's your authority, and and I think people want to have a conversation, mm-hmm. but they're not going to go to someone where it's their church. Yeah. it's their power, their authority. Yeah, and and, and your I role is to sit have there and listen. To restrip that away. Yeah. And, and I think if you're a minister in a church—and that was the struggle I had as a minister of the church—is how can you have an honest-to-goodness conversation with someone without having them tune out? Because mm. as soon as they find out that you're a minister,
0: yeah.
1: next thing you know, they're watching their P's and Q's. And, <laughs> and it's no different from a doctor yeah. or or someone else in some profession. I mean, we do that—we just typically do that as people. We stereotype people, and the next thing you know— You know, we're telling the poor doctor our our terrible story about our bunions. And so, (laughs) you know, the poor Mm -hmm. guy doesn't want to talk about bunions. He he wants to talk about the maple leaves and and the hockey season finishing in the Stanley Cup. That's, (laughs) you know, not going to happen.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, uh, you know, that article I shared on, and I wasn't selling this as a method, but, you know, we have that interactive study method where uh, I don't prepare the lesson anymore. It's just like, do you want to learn or not? If you want to learn, get involved in the process says i'm past this where i'm going to do all the preparation for you and then you just sit there like a bump in a log and listen to me and unfold just it.
1: open the bible yeah. and you each take a turn reading the scripture and then you're like okay what did you learn about god yeah
0: What does this what saying did you learn about
1: people there yeah well, what are you going to do about it
0: yeah yeah well we, we've been doing that and uh And everybody's involved. We're sitting at the table reading together from the, like we've been working through John and uh, with with the group I'm meeting with right now, this is our third Sunday and we've got uh, John chapter one, verse 28. So, and we were doing like one, one session was two and a half hours another was two another you know, the next one was two and, uh, and everybody's reading the past. We read it in, in a bunch of translations at the, uh, different translations. And then we all just kind of read the notes and we have the tools on the table so we can just, you know, we have archeology, uh, archeology span yeah. and history and culture books. And we just read about the, the context of the text from all of these dis- different sources. And then somebody goes, hmm, look here look at, look at what it says here about that exactly. and then what, what do we all do? We all stop and we look at them and listen. And then, so everybody, like everybody at that table has taught me things I never knew before after 20, 20 some years of ministry. You know what I mean? Yeah, you
1: don't have to be an expert. You yeah. just have to be willing and open to learning.
0: Yeah, a participant. I, I know I had one person uh, read that article and they contacted me and said, you know what, we're going to try this because I'm tired of this. They said, you know, we're working through a book together right now and, and everybody's supposed to read a chapter. And then, you know, and it has, of course, it's about the scriptures and stuff too, but they're supposed to read a chapter and then they're supposed to show up and and then we're supposed to have talk talk about it. And, and anyways, this person said, I said, I'm just so tired of the lack of enthusiasm enthusiasm, uh, most, or or some people will come not having read the chapter, uh, but the other problem is, is people read the chapter, maybe they read it early in the week or whatever, and they forget about what's in it. It's been, it's been five days, right? Because they just read it and yeah. it's there. It was fresh at the time, but it's not fresh anymore. It's gone. So they show up and they, they can't even really contribute to the conversation because, because, you know, it's, it was four days ago and I, well, I, I you know, I don't really remember, well, like, I don't re- really remember everything it said. And so she said, I'm just tired of the, the conversation going flat and me doing this preparation and some people come and they don't read it. And, you know, so they've got nothing to contribute other people read it and don't remember what they read. And so they don't contribute too much. And it's like, you know yep. what, I, why do, Why am I doing this? And you know what, uh, you know what she, or she said? She said, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to try this method because he, it's this. It's the last step. We're going to sit at the table and we're going to study together and then we'll ask each other the questions as things perk our interest right here in front of us. And we're all going to do it together. And, yeah, uh, and, and if that doesn't work, she says, I'm done. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That's where she was at. Well,
1: I mean, that's what you need to do is to sit down together. No one is the leader. Yeah. Everyone's asking questions. Mm -hmm. Everyone's making observations. Exactly. I mean, some of the great insights that you get is when someone says something because from their experience. And Mm -hmm. so you're like,
0: oh, wait a
1: second. You start thinking about it. and Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's what happened. Well, there was
0: something that I, I, I don't ever remember reading it uh, before in the scripture. It's there. So, and I've read, read the book. I, so I should have read it and, or, you know, I should have known this, but uh, one of the things was on a rabbit trail. Like, you know, we were looking up cross references and stuff like that. And, and, uh, my son, Tim, uh, tw- or what's he, 25, nearly 26, 26 years old. And, uh, he was at the table with us last week and, uh, he said, uh, he said, "Hmm, that's interesting." I said, "What? What's that?" He said, uh, "He said in the tabernacle. He said they had a curtain." That, uh, that that separated the holy of the holies. And when the ark was in there, the poles hung out under the curtain, Curtain, although the ark was inside and you couldn't see the ark, but the poles were uh, outside of the curtain. And see, what got us on that is is we looked up the scripture that says the poles are never supposed to be taken off the ark and the ark is supposed to be carried by, by poles. Okay. And that gets to the story about when the ark was stolen by the Philistines and they sent it back and then the, the oxen stumble and uh, one of the priests puts his hands up to hold it up to keep the ark from falling over and then God strikes him as dead for touching the ark. Well, we go, why would God do that? Well, because they were trained in the transportation of this stuff and he was showing his mm-hmm. flippant, uh, flippant, uh, not, you know, uh, being reverent towards the holy, you don't carry the ark on, on an ox cart. It's meant to be carried by four poles. And, yep. uh, and that's the way it was. And then, and then we see another verse where it said they took the poles out of the ark and one command says you're not to take the poles out of the ark. But anyway, um. He said, did you know that when they, when they packed up the ark, he said the curtain that divided the holy place from the holy of holies where the ark was, um, and it was almost like nobody was able to see that ark, right? Except the high priest or whatever. So I envision this curtains hanging there that most people probably have never seen the ark to know what it looks like. They're not allowed to go in there. And when they take the curtain down, guess what they did with the curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies in, in the, in, in the tower, they laid it over the ark. So I I picture them on hooking it up in the air and then just draping it over the ark. So even when they're taking it apart, people had probably never seen the ark, right? Yeah. And they they lay it on top of it, and then which and this is the part uh, I, I hadn't I I don't ever remember reading before. Then they wrapped it in leather skins, goat skins, leather. Yes. And uh, and then they draped a a, a a a blue or purple some translations say purple but a blue and a purple cloth over the top. Did you know that? I don't ever remember. Yeah, I knew
1: that it was completely covered; that no yeah. one saw it. Yeah, and and like it had like they had to do it in such a way mm-hmm. that like ultimately you weren't even touching anything. Yeah. And and it was just. Yeah, that whole
0: thing. and The royal and the purple cloth. That's getting the logistics. And, yeah.
1: And I'm just thinking how much water the Israelites, but that's a whole other bunny trail for another day. <laughs> oh,
0: know. yeah. Because no.
1: I'm fascinated by how they were able to sustain themselves in the wilderness. Yeah. How much food would they have consumed? Mm-hmm. How many latrines would they have to do? You know, I mean, all that kind of stuff is kind of interesting because if you think about armies. But anyway, that's a digression.
0: Oh, yeah. No, see, well, that was something that my son taught me. And then then he got uh, talking about lapis. Uh, you know, was, uh, it was a stone they ground up and right. he said, they, they say that the, the purple, well, their most translations said a blue cloth was draped over the top of the other two items. Yeah. And then one translation said purple, but I guess it can be more of a purpley blue color. And, yeah. uh, you know, he was telling me about lapis and how they, how they uh, ground that up and used it as dye. And then some was the shells of certain uh, shellfish. And anyway, I'm sitting here and like.
1: And did oh. they pick them up while they were crossing the Red Sea yeah. or whatever?
0: Wow. And where'd
1: they get all the sea? cows and how they process that who were the tanners in the crowd that did yeah. all that
0: yeah oh I know no it was, it was fun stuff so well we're at 55 minutes you want to wrap this one up and uh maybe we'll do another episode or what's your thoughts yes. on that? yeah well it was uh it was good to have you online Tom and yeah uh, it was good thank you everybody for tuning in uh, I know you're in quarantine use it as a training ground that's all Tom and I want to say ask the question <laughs> what what is God calling us to do that might be a little different, and that will interact or give us to interact with a few other well, how people. How can
1: we honor God through through our isolation?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like,
1: how can we make it a fun time? That a lot of people don't think. They always think the 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 bad part. I'm like, how can we have a good time that honors God while we're quarantined?
0: Yeah, yeah. Good, good question. So, all right, guys. I uh, hope you survive the apocalypse, and Tom and I will come back and podcast on the other side. Rabbi Shammai mm-hmm. was approached by a guy who's asking the exact same question, and nobody tells the story that the Talmud says that next, Shammai speaks the man with a stick. <laughs> what circumcision? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first time I answer. asked mom what a virgin was, and all the adults in the kitchen yeah. went silent. But what kind but, of surgeon? Uh, a rocket surgeon. <laughs> Very. About <laughs> we want you to be our rabbi, okay. well, Rabbi Herding. <laughs> Jesus told me I'm not to insist that they call me rabbi. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you still here? You must be a real sucker for punishment. Thank you for listening to the Invisible Humanitarian podcast today. Check out our website at theinvisiblehumanitarian.ca or check us out on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us and leave us a good rating on your favorite podcast subscriber. And please, whatever you do, Tell all your crazy friends about this podcast.